My name is Daniel Harris. I'm the college pastor. I've been with you each week, and I'm excited to jump into tonight with you. Uh, we love having you guys on our stream, and, and I want to encourage you. Who is somebody that you can invite to come and hear the gospel tonight? Uh, the view is all about Jesus Christ. Our whole thing is Jesus Christ. That's all we're about. That's all we preach about. That's all we know is Jesus Christ. So when we, when we say invite someone, we're not just trying to get somebody to watch a stream. That's a, that's a very low-end uh, purpose to have, to just get somebody to click a stream. No, we want them to hear the gospel of Christ. And you can make a big impact by inviting people personally to watch this with you and then talk about this sermon with them afterwards. You'd be amazed how many people would love to do that. If you have your Bibles, let's jump straight into it. Open up with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 13 of Luke chapter 4 tonight, and I'm excited to dive into this passage of scripture with you. I've been excited for this sermon. Uh, I want to ask you to pray because we're going after the devil. We're going after his head tonight. The devil has no place here. The devil's a loser, and we're going to expose that tonight. We're going to expose some of the bad lies that Satan tells. Now, I don't know about you. Have you ever made a bad purchase in your life? Some of you right now are thinking something I purchased on Amazon today was a bad purchase. You see, that's the thing about Amazon these days. It's easier than ever before to make a bad purchase because you can literally click buy it now from your bed. <laughs> you don't have to get up. You can order on Amazon. It's here tonight. <laughs> that, like Bad purchases have never happened more. But back in the day, people used to buy things in the store. <laughs> And for Generation Z, they're kind of like stores. Aren't those things old-fashioned? When them things going out, man, why do we still go to places? <laughs> like, you know, like people used to buy stuff in the store on impulse, and we still do, and, and we have bad purchases. A lot of times, if you're like me, I, I, this has happened to me before. I'll be vulnerable with you. I made a bad purchase. I took it home, and when I got home, I realized that this is not something I should have bought. I knew I could have taken it back to the store to get refunded, but I didn't. You know why? <laughs> because it would have meant another trip to the store. <laughs> Literally, sometimes we will save money. We will save our possessions that we don't need just because we simply won't take it back to the store. Uh, I'll never forget this time I was in a, a store and I was trying to buy glasses. And I wanted this pair of glasses that I thought would make me look cool. I don't need glasses. I have perfect sight, praise the Lord. But I was looking at these glasses I was thinking about buying. And the salesman comes up to me, and he starts pitching. I mean, he starts selling his pitch. He says, man, you look, you look good in those, man. I'm going to be honest with you. Those are your glasses right there. He said, oh, you're a preacher, huh? Well, they need to see you in those glasses. I'm looking in the mirror at the store, and I'm like, ah, I don't know, but he's really selling me on it. The power of salesmen can be amazing. They can make you buy something you really know you shouldn't buy. <laughs> so I bought the glasses. I got home. I was looking in the mirror, and my wife walks in. She looks at me. She says, Daniel. <laughs> I look at her, I'm like, yes, baby. <laughs> Think about it, she's about to compliment me. She says, Daniel, you look like such a loser. <laughs> Whose glasses are those and why are you wearing them? <laughs> and I'm like, goodness, baby, chill. Because the sad part is I did look like a loser. These glasses were hideous. They had a yellow tint. They just weren't good glasses. See, I made a bad purchase like we all do because I got sold on it by a salesman who knew exactly what I needed to hear exactly at the right time. I can't tell you a better way to sell spiritual warfare to you than that. That is the idea of spiritual warfare. Satan is literally coming to you, and he is a salesman. <laughs> and you better believe he's very good at his pitch. He's very good at selling you on something you know you're not supposed to buy. And so tonight I don't want to talk about bad purchases, but I don't want to get into your budget. <laughs> I don't want to talk about what you're spending on Amazon. That's for you to decide. you got to deal with that with your parents <laughs> and your roommates and all that stuff. No, but I want to talk about spiritual purchases that you and I make. And if I'm sweating, I'm so sorry. It's super hot in here. I'm sorry for the sweat. I know I may be blinding you off my forehead. It's a little hot in here. But that's all right. Jesus is in the desert tonight. We need to be a little hot. <laughs> and bad spiritual purchases. Now, here's the thing. The devil is lying to you every day. Just like that salesman in the store lied to me. He knew I didn't look good in those glasses, but he knew if he said all the right things, I'd buy it anyway. See, the devil knows sin is bad for you, but he's going to keep on lying to you so that you'll buy it anyway. That's how the devil works. The question is, what lies of Satan are you buying as a leader, as a Christian, as a human being? What lies are you purchasing? Have you realized that those lies are, in fact, bad purchases? See, you'll never take back something until you realize it is a bad purchase. People hold on to lies of the devil because they haven't quite realized they bought bad purchases. 
I was happy with those glasses until my wife pointed out I was hideous in them. You see, sometimes you need somebody to come alongside you and say, that sin you're in is hideous. Why are you in it? Until you realize you made a bad purchase. That's the point of accountability. That's why we have people in our lives that talk to us. Now, if it's true that he is lying to you, and it's true that you and I often buy these lies, what do we do? That's a big question. What do we do? Well, tonight I want to look at when Satan tempted Jesus with three lies to buy. The title of my sermon, I want you to write this down, is I Need a Refund. I need a refund. In the same way I had to take those glasses back to the store, we have bought some lies from the devil that we need to take back. Three lies tonight. Three lies I want to attack. And listen, I want you to pray because Satan hates us. Satan would love for you to keep on buying those lies. See, those glasses, that salesman, the last thing he wants is for somebody to come in and point out how cheap those glasses really are. That's the last thing he wants. What do you think Satan wants as a salesman of sin? Do you think he likes when people call out just how bad sin is? No. So pray for tonight. Pray earnestly. Pray like you mean it. Now, in Luke chapter 4, we have to understand the context here. Last week, we talked about Luke 5. Luke 5 has two big sections in it at the start. It has the Peter, Peter is on the boat with Jesus, and they catch the overwhelming amount of fish after Jesus tells him to cast the net. Something our leaders spoke on this weekend. But after those verses comes the passage we looked at last week, which was the healing. Jesus healed, he restored. We talked about leading from a healthy soul. Well, in order to continue leading from a healthy soul, you've got to identify and take down the lies of the devil. Now, the passage before this, Jesus is in the desert. He is in the wilderness. He is here being tempted by Satan. This is a huge, huge moment in the book of, in the whole Bible. This is a huge moment. Will Jesus overcome this or will Satan blind the Messiah himself? This is a huge deal. Uh, this is a big passage. Now, I want to give you two things here. First thing is, what is temptation? I want you to write this down. What is temptation? It is seduction to evil. So temptation in its truest form is seduction to evil. Now, God does not tempt, but he gives trials. Trials test character. Temptations persuade you to evil. Don't ever think that God is tempting you with sin. That's not the case. He gives you trials, though, in your life. He gives you experiences that, you, that test your character. But he's not going to tempt you with sin. That's Satan's role. That's why Satan comes and he tempts you. But Satan also can't make you sin. We have a choice to obey or disobey. So yes, Satan puts that temptation in front of us, but it's still our choice. But even more than that, I want to give you this right here, forms of temptation. Are you ready for this? Watch this. This is fascinating. Three forms of temptation to write down. Uh, one, senses. Two, imagination. Three, reasoning. You want to know what form temptation comes at. You think about your life, you're going to experience these three. You probably can look back at this past week and see the lies. Let's keep this on the screen for a minute. Your senses. Satan appeals to your senses. He, he appeals to that which is, which is very, very uh, noticeable by your flesh. He, he comes to you with things that sometimes if a certain smell from your past reminds you of sin, he can bring back that sin that will tempt you to give back into that temptation. I've heard about that with, from many people who struggle with alcohol, with drugs, with all these kind of things. But Satan also tempts your imagination. We all know what that looks like. And I'm not going to go super in-depth tonight on these three, but we all know how Satan tempts our imagination. He tempts us with lust. I don't even need to go any further with imagination. We know when it becomes sin. We know even when we objectify people, for men and women, it is not just a man thing. This is a man and woman thing. We objectify people. We objectify their body, and then we also objectify them as a person. Anytime you look at someone and simply see what they can do for you instead of seeing who they are, You've objectified them. See, if I look at Jacob in my life or Dakota in my life and I say, man, these guys can help me get to some successful platform in my career, I've objectified them. They are no longer a soul. They are just someone I can step on to climb a ladder. See, for many of us, we think, we think objectifying people is just sexual immorality. It is not. If you are looking at people just as an object to get you somewhere, you have downplayed their value. And we do it so often. That's something, that should be the sermon tonight, to be honest with you. But I can't, I got to stop. Reasoning. You know when you are in the middle of that temptation, Satan is trying to get you to reason with yourself that that sin is not that bad. That that temptation is really not going to hurt you that bad. 
and you start reasoning with yourself. And one of the worst ways you reason is when you start saying, man, I've done really good lately. Man, I've started, I've had a few good days here. This ain't gonna put me back that much. I've been doing really good lately. I've earned this sin. I've earned this temptation. Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) That's a slippery slope when you start reasoning with the devil. So what did Jesus do when Satan came knocking? Look with me at chapter four, verse one. Then Jesus, the one we preached about, the one we boast about, the Messiah, not just a prophet, but the savior of the world, fully man, fully God, sinless. He left the Jordan, full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Are you led by the Spirit or are you led by yourself? Does the Holy Spirit dictate where you go, what you do, who you see, who you talk to? Or do you do that? He's led by the Spirit for 40 days, verse 2, 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry, showing his humanity. Jesus was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. He says, prove yourself if you're the Son of God. You don't have to go hungry. Jesus answered him, it is written, man must not live on bread alone. Let me pray for us. And then I'm going to give you lie number one. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, right now, I thank you that your word is alive and active. (laughs) Father, we thank you that if you don't do anything else for us, you have already done too much. But God, we approach the throne asking that you would do more. That your spirit would rain down on all the homes across the world watching right now. Father, I think of Zach in Ireland and how he's probably tuned in with us tonight as he always is. I thank you that even distance has not kept us from him. Father, I thank you for for all the students right here in Memphis who are continuing to be a light. Father, I pray that you would speak to them tonight. Lord, we, we come before you humbly knowing that Satan hates this sermon. But he has no hold here. He is rebuked in the name of Jesus Christ. So Lord, we love you. Speak now, Father. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me give you lie number one. Lie number one, you are empty and alone. What we see from the text is that you are empty and alone. He is lying to you. Before I get into the explanation, Satan is lying. Don't buy it. He's lying. Now, this is very fascinating. I want you to write this down. Why the desert? Why the desert? Why is Jesus in the wilderness? Why is he in the desert? I want to give you three quick things on why. It's very fascinating. Why the desert? A, this represents where man failed, but Christ prevails. So you read this passage. You want to know what's the significance of the desert? You see, a lot of people read over the fact that he's in the wilderness, that he's in the desert, and they miss a lot of context. They missed a lot of symbolism here that's connecting to other parts of scripture. See, the desert, the wilderness is a very familiar place to man because we failed there multiple times, but this is now where Christ prevails. See, this is going back all the way to Genesis chapter three. (laughs) This is going all the way back to Genesis chapter three. Do you remember when the serpent came to Adam and Eve when they were in the garden of Eden? They literally had everything they could want in the garden of Eden. God told them, stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, you've got all this that I have granted you, but stay away from that tree so that you and I can know how good obedience is. He allowed that tree to be there. Now, here's what's amazing. When you study that text, when you see what happens, Adam and Eve are approached by the devil as a serpent, and they lose this battle. They lose the battle to temptation. They choose sin. They choose to disobey God's laws. They lose the battle. Immediately they realize they're naked. They become shameful. They hide from God. And all of a sudden it sets this entire spinning roller coaster slide of humanity constantly losing to sin. That's why we see so many dark things happen in this world because man has chosen to sin. So what's amazing is, watch this. Because of sin, they got kicked out of paradise and into the wilderness. Do you realize that? It was because of that sin you and I want so much. It's because of that sin that Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden and punted into the wilderness, punted into this world where there's desolation, there's isolation, there's hurt, there's pain, there's fear, there's sin, there's all these kind of stuff. Now Jesus is about to do the opposite. 
See, Jesus is about to go into the desert and win the battle that they lost in the garden. (laughs) See, that's amazing symbolism, but it goes even further. See, watch this. Jesus is about to win this battle in the wilderness so that you and me get to get back into the garden. (laughs) Did you hear what I said? In other words, Jesus is about to overcome that temptation that we lost to so that we get to go to heaven. (laughs) So that we get to be restored to an even greater garden of Eden, but truly in God's presence for all eternity in heaven. He is about to restore the battle we lost. (laughs) All alone with nothing but him and the spirit and the father all present right here in this moment. He's about to overcome this. That's amazing. Now here's the thing. Adam and Eve lost. You know why they lost? Here's why they lost. They were playing defense. <laughs> See, that's why, that's, why, that's why they lost, because they were playing defense. See, Jesus is about to win because he's playing offense. Which one are you playing? Are the attacks of the enemy just, ah, just pushing you back, just pushing you back. You keep going back, you keep going back. Or are you going to the enemy and you're literally jabbing, you're jabbing, you're jabbing. You're just knocking him down. You're not letting him get a single word in. They lost because they're focused on defense. Eve didn't even know what God really said. She didn't even know God's word, what he had said about the tree, what he had called the tree. She didn't even know his word, and yet Jesus is smacking the devil in the face with scripture. (laughs) So which one are you doing? Are you smacking him in the face with scripture, or do you really not know what God has said about you, about your life, about sin, about our purpose, about why we're here and what it is that we're supposed to do. Not only that, but you remember the Israelites as well as I do. (laughs) The Israelites wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. This is an amazing concept. Don't miss this. The Israelites wandered for 40 years in the wilderness because of disobedience to sin. Are you ready for this? They constantly disobeyed God. So in those 40 years, they disobeyed God. Now Jesus is about to restore humanity in 40 days. Watch this. You ready? What you can't do in a lifetime... Jesus did in a single day. (laughs) Is that not crazy? I wrote this down. Jesus took every sin from every year of your life and paid for it in one day of his life on the cross. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) Like, I feel like I should just stop right here and just let you think about this. Let's keep this on the screen. You can't do it in a lifetime. Jesus did it in a single day. So who are you going to put your hope in? Is your hope in you or is it in Jesus Christ? Because he can accomplish what you and I can't. Through you, he can raise you up in ways you never imagined. But you got to rely on him. You've got to call on him. B, the desert represents desolation. I want you to write that down. Not only does it represent where man failed and Christ prevails, but the desert also represents desolation. you got to understand, this place where Jesus is, it's a waste. It's, it's barren. It's shelterless. The hot sun was beaming under your feet, would have been burning sand or blistering rock. There's no trees to give you shade. There's no spring of water. There's no flowers. There's no pleasing colors. There's no pleasing smells. Literally, this is desolation where Jesus is. Now, what is Jesus overcoming here in this wilderness? He is overcoming temptation. Temptation to what? Sin. So if what he's overcoming is sin, guess what the desert is a picture of? The desert is a picture of how you will feel when you are in sin. It's a wasteland. It's barren. There's no shade to cover your head. There's no water to flourish to flourish you. There's no pleasing smells. There's no pleasing colors. Sin is a desert. It is a wasteland. It is miserable. It is awful. Sin is So, but Satan doesn't sell it that way or else nobody would go there. See, what happens is when Satan, I wish I had a piece of paper or something. When Satan comes to you with the brochure to sin, the front of the cover never looks like a tropical paradise, does it? (laughs) He never comes to you and says, man, listen, sin is going to be so rough. It's going to be so miserable. You're not going to like yourself. You're not going to like your friends. You're going to be mean to them. It never looks how it really is. He sells it like it's an island, and then you get there, and you're at a desert. Now, if you booked that on Expedia, (laughs) if you booked on Expedia to go to a beautiful tropical island and ended up in a desert, wouldn't you be a little mad? I would be, because it took me time, money, energy, effort. 
So why are you and I not more mad that Satan has sold us on an island and we end up in a desert? Why aren't you and I more mad that Satan sold you? He said sin will fulfill you. It will give you joy. It's all you need. Satisfy your flesh. And then you choose it and you're never satisfied. You beat yourself up. You feel shameful. You feel guiltful. And you don't want to talk to people in your life. And you certainly don't want to talk to God. So why aren't you and I more mad about that? You said it yourself. You said it. You agree with me. If you booked a trip to an island and ended up in a desert, you'd be calling Expedia. I need to talk to somebody now. Like, I need a worker on the phone. This is not the trip I asked for. Yet Satan sells us that trip every day, and, and we don't call up man. <laughs> we, don't tell, we don't go to God like, God, I made a mistake. I need your help, Father. We just accept it, and we just keep going. You can take that lie back and get a refund. Did you know that? <laughs> You don't have to stay in that desert that you're in. Christ won the victory in the desert so that you and I can get out. That's an amazing concept. Represents desolation. C represents isolation. It represents isolation. Jesus is here. He appears alone. But what appears is not always the case. See, it looks like Jesus is alone. But he's not truly. He has the Holy Spirit of God, and God the Father is present with him in this moment. He is not alone, even though it looks like he's alone. But sin, when you are in sin, you're going to feel alone, don't you? Just be real with me. Nobody's preaching, man. This ain't some perfectly worded dialogue sermon that's catchy and sounds good and all these perfect words and like, oh, this preacher. like, No, just talk with me, man. Don't you feel alone when you're in sin? Don't you feel like you're the only one struggling with it? I'm tired of of hearing messages and words where we don't just talk real about how bad sin is. Like, we need to address this. Like, we feel alone when we're in sin, but we never talk about it. We feel alone, so we stay alone in our sin. But God's not calling you to that. Look at me right here. Zone in. God's got bigger plans for you. He has bigger plans than for you to compare yourself to other believers and be beaten down all the time. Because anytime we compare ourselves to others anyway, we compare ourselves to the exterior. Man, I wish I looked like her. I wish my life was like his. I wish I had the social media presence they do. We never compare ourselves to their qualities like compassion. It's always a superficial thing. God's got a bigger plan than for you to be comparing yourself. God has a bigger plan than for your identity to be caught up in what you do. Your identity is not in what you do. There is nothing you can do to validate yourself. It's what Jesus did that validates you. So what in the world do you need anything else for? Your satisfaction, your joy, your peace is all in Jesus Christ. And from there, when you get that right, all of a sudden, everything else you do flows from that. Everything else you do comes from that place where you are madly in love with Jesus Christ. Not the view, not Bellevue, not a church, not a speaker, not a staff, not a camera, not an Instagram platform. Your love is Jesus Christ. You need no other validation. Yet we live seeking validation every day when people can't validate us anyway. You're going to feel alone when you're in sin. If you're tired of it, repent. Give it to God. Say, I'm done with it. I'm starting new. I'm calling somebody right after this sermon. If I got to call them right now, I'll call them. What's up, my God? Man, I need some help and talk to somebody. You ain't got to broadcast your sin on Instagram. You ain't got to broadcast it to everybody, but you do got to broadcast it to somebody. When? For some of you, you've been on the stream for seven weeks with us. Faithful. We love you. Thank you for being here. Have you taken that step? I I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I know somebody out there gets it. Now, Satan makes an assumption that Jesus is empty. And that's what he's doing with you. He's lying that you are empty. Daniel, what do you mean? I want to flesh this out for you. See, Jesus may not have any food in him, but he is not empty. But Satan says, man, you need some food. You need to eat. You're empty. But what I read is that Jesus entered into the desert full of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus is full. Jesus has a buffet of the Holy Spirit of God. He don't need no bread. He is literally full. But he has emptied himself physically. I need you to get this idea. I want you to write this down. Jesus is fasting. Fasting empties you of this world which allows Christ to fill you with heaven. 
That's what fasting is all about. Jesus has emptied himself physically, but he is full spiritually. Literally, the answer for you this week may be to fast. Give up something. Give up something of this world so you can get more of heaven. It doesn't have to be a bad thing you give up. Social media isn't necessarily bad. Texting, calling, TikTok, all these things we do aren't necessarily bad. But when you fast, when you give up something from this world, I guarantee you God will give you something from heaven. But you got to choose to give something up. You've got to fast. If it's a meal, fast from a meal. And pray and be with God. I mean, are you willing to give anything up? I love this. When you pour out the desires of your flesh, God will fill you up with the desires of the spirit. If you want to know why, why do I walk around not wanting God, not wanting the things that God wants? It's because you still got the things this world wants in you, in me. I go through it all the time. Why am I so desperately chasing after the world when God says he is all I need? This is one of the biggest lies of the devil. He is lying to you, telling you that you are empty. Why are you buying that lie? If you have the Holy Spirit of God, you are not empty. He is what fills you. He is the only thing that can fill you. Everything else is temporary. I love this down, write this down. Satan lies to Christians and says, you have a need that Christ hasn't or can't meet. That's what he's telling you. What is it for you? What is that need he's telling you that Christ can't meet? Because he'll tell you that you gotta go find your joy out in the world. He'll tell you that your joy will be when you find a relationship. Like when I jump into a relationship with a boyfriend, I'll be so much more joyful. When I jump into a relationship with a girl, I'll be so much more joyful. When I get married, if I could just get to the marriage line, if I could just get married, I'll be so much more joyful. And then you get there and you're like, dang, that won't satisfy me like Christ will. Stop looking externally for things that Christ has provided you internally. That joy, that peace, that patience, that guidance. You're buying a lie. Now, before we move on, I got one more thought to give you. Most times we buy a lie from Satan. We purchase the lie and then we go to our friends to get a refund. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. We buy this lie that we don't have value from Satan and then we go to our friends seeking for them to give us value, but they can't give us that value. (laughs) See, you're buying a lie from Satan trying to get refunded from it by people. You can't do that. You cannot buy a lie of Satan and then get it refunded by people. You've got to stop going to them for validation. You've got to stop trying to please them. Just because you bought this lie that your body is not as good as other people's, that you don't look as good as other people, what happened is we go to other people for that validation. And that's when we fall into immorality. Because we just want people to approve us where Satan lied to us. No, when you go to God, he will refund that lie in full. You don't have to hold on to that lie anymore. You don't have to go to your friends. You can get it fully refunded. Will you do that? I got to move on. Lie number two. Look with me at verses uh, five to eight. So the devil took Jesus up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me. And I can give it to anyone I want. That's a bold claim. If you then will worship me, all will be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. (laughs) Lie number two, leadership is supposed to be easy. (laughs) Lie number two is that leadership is supposed to be easy. I can't tell you how many college student leaders I've seen fall because they think that this thing's supposed to be easy. Me and my wife, we've been able to, Spend time together over the quarantine. I love my wife. You saw her praying up here. She is amazing. I love her in every way. And she is so sweet. She is so kind. She is so gifted. And the other night after we had dinner, she made something delicious as she always does when this quarantine's over. I'd love to have you over to the house so that she can cook for you. Laura and Jess, y'all are invited. Corey, Jeremy, y'all invited. Everybody's invited. It's not that big. We try to fit you in, but everybody's invited. We'll be eating outside if we need to. But she cooks. She is a cook, man. She can cook. And we had a great dinner. We went over to the couch and we put on Netflix. Now, here's what I noticed. We were watching a show on Netflix. This is so crazy. I've seen this a thousand times, but I never noticed it. 
You ever seen something a thousand times, but you didn't notice it? <laughs> There's some kids in school like, man, that's how I was with my crush in high school. She saw me, but she didn't notice me. <laughs> There's somebody out there right now to feel my pain. You know what I'm talking about. You see something, but you don't notice it, man. I noticed this on Netflix for the first time. We were watching the show, and it got to the end of the show. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but what happens is it says watch next episode at the bottom right. And we got done. I was ready to go to bed for the night, and I'm sitting there watching this button. This button says watch next episode, and there's a line going like this. And I'm like, what's happening here, man? What's going on? I watch it. It goes all the way to the end, and it clicks it. And the next episode starts without me grabbing the remote and clicking start. And I'm just amazed. I've, ne- I've seen it. But I've never noticed it. See, what it was is if you don't grab the remote and push a button in time, what happens is it automatically plays the next episode for you. It just assumes, man, if they didn't say no, they must be saying yes. (laughs) Which is exactly what happens with temptation. If you don't say no, you might as well be saying yes. You have had to have a firm no, but that's beside the point. I was sitting here looking at this, and I had this thought. Netflix did this. Are you ready for this? This is something simple, stupid. Netflix does this to make watching their shows as quick and easy as possible. But not only that, watch this, this is huge. They do this because it lowers your commitment level. See, if I don't even have to grab the remote to get the next episode, I'm not even committing to it. Netflix is committing for me. And see, that's exactly what Satan is doing with you with sin. He wants to commit you to sin Make it quick and easy and lower your commitment level. (laughs) He'll put it right there in front of you. I mean, literally, you might as well not even do anything and you'll find sin. Like if you're not in the word, if you're not praying, you will literally stumble onto sin. It's so easy to find. It might as well be that bar going. Boop. Next episode. That's our American culture. If we want to be real tonight, everything in America is designed for things to be quick and easy. Everything that exists in our culture serves to literally make your life as quick and easy as possible. Literally, TikTok. All you have to do is just scroll and you get to go to a brand new person's world like that. Like you literally just scroll. You do nothing but scroll. If you want to like one, it's right there. It's designed to keep you and lower your commitment level so that you stay longer and longer and longer and longer. And that's what he's doing to you with sin. He's trying to lower your commitment level and make it as quick and easy as possible. And the sad thing is many of you are buying it. You keep on purchasing sin. You keep on just taking it. You ain't even the one choosing it anymore. It's just happening to you because you're not playing offense. You're not going at Satan. Listen, the quick and easy results of American culture will always seem more desirable than the hard path of following Jesus Christ. Always. That's why it's so hard to follow Jesus. We're used to things being quick and easy to us. So when it comes down to leading and speaking up and investing in people's lives, we don't want it if it's not easy. We don't want it if it's hard. We don't want it if it's difficult, if it's going to take something from us, if it's a commitment. That's why my generation and your generation, that's why we struggle with commitment because we don't want to truly commit to something. We want it quick, and we just want things to be as easy for us as possible. We want to be able to skate through life. That's a misconception, and it's a lie from the enemy. (laughs) Leading for Christ, following Christ is not going to be quick. It's not going to be easy. In fact, many times it takes time. Many people quit because it takes time. You think working out and getting in shape takes time. Spiritually, getting in shape takes time. You're talking about something even more valuable than your body is your soul. Your body has value, but your soul has value. You're talking about getting spiritually in shape to the point where you fast, you read, you pray, you are a disciple, you disciple others, you share Jesus with your coworkers, you share Jesus with your college student peers. That's not easy. And Christians quit because they want the easy way. But he's lying to you. He's lying to you saying that it should be easy. (laughs) Saying that, man, the path you're on is supposed to be broad. You're supposed to have a big road where you got plenty of room to travel, stretch your legs. You're supposed to have this big open road where you can go over here a little bit, go over there a little bit. That's why the broad road to hell is called broad. (laughs) See, the narrow road to Jesus means you got to put focus, energy, time into this walk. That's why it's narrow. 
and few find it. So where are you on that tonight? Almost 90% of what I just said is not in my notes. Have not even thought about that until preaching right now. I don't know who that's for. Maybe it's just for me, but who is God speaking to on that? He's lying. Get a refund. That's the best part. You take it back. God gets you refunded with truth. That's the greatness of our God, of the Bible. When you buy a lie, he's got a greater truth waiting for it. <laughs> like literally, when you come to God, he says, oh, you bought a lie? I'll take that from you. Here's the truth. <laughs> and the truth will set you free. The truth will give you life. The truth will raise you up like you never thought you could. It's amazing. That's the glory of our son, Jesus Christ, of our father in heaven. That's the glory. That's amazing. <laughs> that's what Jesus, that's what Satan is tempting Jesus here with. He's telling him to take the quick and the easy way. He said, man, just make it quick. Have the results right now. I can't imagine this moment on the mountain. If I could be real with you, if you just imagine this moment, bring the Bible to life. I can't imagine Jesus. He's hungry. He's beaten down. It's been 40 days. He's had no human interaction. It's like quarantine. <laughs> I don't know how many days we've been at this, but he's had no human interaction. See, when you don't have human interaction, you're oftentimes more susceptible to sin. You can relate to Jesus right now. He relates to you. If you think quarantine is lonely, Jesus had no other human interaction while he was in the desert. He relates to how you're alone. His gar, he's in the desert and, and Satan is attacking him. He takes him up to this mountaintop. Can you imagine? He shows him all the glory of the world, all these shining lights, all this beautiful stuff. He says, Jesus, this is yours. Bow down to me right now and this is all yours. You can have all these kingdoms, all these multiple kingdoms that won't last. I'll give them to you. Bow down. Can you imagine Jesus looking at the devil and saying, nope, I'm good. Jesus turned down this whole world. I have a hard time turning down sugar cookies in the kitchen. <laughs> I have a hard time turning down a lazy Saturday when I know I could be with people. Like my tolerance to turn down things is so low, yet Jesus turned down every single thing in this world. Don't you ever doubt the strength of your Savior. <laughs> the glory of Jesus is on display tonight. I'll tell you what, listen, people ask this icebreaker all the time. They say if you could go to any point in history, any point in history, and see the event live, what would you see? I've said Kobe scoring 81 before. I've said Kobe winning game seven of the 2010 finals. Some people will be like, man, I'll go back and see the moon landing. I'll go back and see all these different things. But imagine, imagine being there with Jesus in the desert that day. Imagine seeing this. You watch Satan show him everything. And then Satan turns to Jesus and he's expecting him to bow. And Jesus looks him in the face and says, no. Can you imagine the chills you would get from watching Jesus overcome the entire world? That might be one of the number one moments to go back and see in the Bible. Jesus saying no to this lie that you and me keep on buying. Wow. Man, that's amazing. But Satan's doing the same thing to you. Application. Got to flip it. He's leading you up on that mountaintop. He's trying to show you all the glory of the world. You say, ah, oh, not me, Daniel. No, not me. I've just been in my house. I ain't been nowhere near a mountain. <laughs> I ain't been nowhere near a mountaintop. I'm good. He ain't taking me up there. Listen, the scary thing about 2020 is he don't have to take you to a mountain to show you to the world. <laughs> all he's got to do is take you to your iPhone. <laughs> That's the only place he's got to take you. He's got to take you to TikTok, to Instagram, to your friends' pages, to their, to their pictures. That's us. He shows you all these things on your phone. You look at the kingdoms in the world. I wonder if you and me are saying yes or saying no. He's taking you to the mountaintop. It might be in your iPhone. Get away from that thing, man. He tempts you with money, fame. Some of you want to make a name for yourself. A name won't last. I wish we were in person tonight. I'd preach for 75 minutes. He's, sell, he's trying to sell you on sexual immorality. He's trying to sell you on a relationship to make you think it's going to give you that joy. And he's trying to sell you guys, honestly, I wrote this down. He's trying to sell you right now on a huge social media name. You think if you get that social media platform, that following, that you'll be happy. You never get there. 
See, Satan's lies appeal to people who want quick results and easy responsibilities. Quick results and easy responsibilities. That's who Satan's lies appeal to the most. I wrote this down. It challenged me. Jesus did not take the quick and easy route with your soul. So don't take the quick and easy route with your faith. Are you taking that quick road? Lastly, look at verse 9 with me. Verse 9, the devil took him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, now Satan's quoting scripture here. He says that he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Look at Jesus' answer. Jesus fires right back with scripture. He says in verse 12, it is said, do not test the Lord your God. After the devil had finished every temptation, he left him for a time. Lie number three, you deserve to be served. You deserve to be served. The third temptation for Jesus is to have God the Father serve him instead of Jesus serving God the Father. That's the temptation. For Jesus to make God get on his time instead of Jesus walking in obedience to God the Father's time. That's the temptation here. He's at, he's, and this is so good. He's tempting Jesus. Watch this. He's tempting Jesus to act independently from God. That's the temptation. Where else do we see that in Scripture? We see it in Genesis. We certainly see it when Adam and Eve act independently from God. They get out on their own. They do their own thing. Where do you see that in your life? Are you acting independently from God? Or are you fully dependent? Now, I want to give you three action steps here. Our final thing that we're going to end. How to really get a refund. Do you say, Daniel, this is great truth. Where do I go? What do I do with this sermon? If you, listen, I want to tell you, these aren't the only answers. But if this week you will do these three things, if you will do these three things, you will fully get a refund on these lies you're buying and you will be restored. These three things are so simple. They're so straightforward. How to get a refund on these three lies. A, search scripture. If you're out there tonight, maybe you want to keep buying lies from the devil. I can't convince you. Only the spirit can. But if you do, search scripture. What I mean is, if there are really lies from the devil, then we need to go and find the truths from God. If there really are lies, we're not going to know they're lies until we know what the truth is. <laughs> That's just simple. Sadly, people buy lies their whole life and never trade it in for truth simply because they don't go looking. It's that same concept of how you and I buy something we don't need from the store and never take it back. We just don't want to waste a trip. It takes energy. It takes time. Listen, there's people that buy lifelong lies from the devil and hold on to them simply because they won't go to the store and find the truth. Simply because they won't go to the source of truth and find out what truths are. See, when you don't know this, when you don't search scripture, not just read it, but really study it, meditate on it, think about it. When you do that, you will end up with correct theology. You will end up with a correct view of who God is, who you are, and who Satan is. But until you really start to search this, doesn't happen overnight. Until you start to search this, your theology is going to be swayed often and easily. You've got to search this, man. You've got to get in this word and search the pages to find the truth. I'll give you an example. If I'm walking around believing I've got to find something in this world to fill me up, believing that this world has got to fill me up, well, what does Scripture say about God filling me up? Now, the next time you feel empty, the next time he sells you on that lie that you're empty and alone, smack the devil with Romans 5.5. Smack him in the face with Romans 5.5. 5. Say, I'm not buying this lie. That says, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Smack him in the face. Hit him. Hit him with that truth. Hit him with Jesus has poured out his love for you and that's all you could ever need. Hit him. Play offense. But you got to start searching scripture. Me and my wife, we started playing a few video games over the, over the quarantine. I've tried to get her to play some games. She's a pretty good gamer. She's not the greatest. Like, she wouldn't wow you. But she's pretty good. I'll give her that. She's pretty good. 
She ain't better than me. We started playing this game called Uncharted. It's a PlayStation game. Some of you know it. It's got a remastered edition. On Uncharted, now I might be wrong because we just started the game. But on Uncharted, one of the things you do is you search for treasure. You go around, you find different treasure chests, you find different things of high value, and, and you go to them and you search them. Here's what I noticed about treasure chests. When you come up to a treasure chest, you don't just skim through it. You search it. You dig through it because you realize what's inside is of the utmost value. What do you do with the Bible? Do you come through it and you skim and you look and you take a little glimpse? Or do you search and dig through the word because you realize what's inside is of the utmost value? (laughs) See, until you realize that a treasure chest has gold in it, you're never going to search through it. Until you realize this has gold in it, you'll never search through it. (laughs) I can't tell you how else clearly I can put it. It's a treasure chest. When you search it, you find gold, not the gold of this world. It's going to pay for that Lamborghini, but you're going to find gold of wisdom and discernment and protection. How am I doing on time? I got to be careful here. Let me keep moving. (laughs) B, store up and memorize scripture. Store up and memorize scripture. Scripture. Store it in your brain so that when you are in the desert, when you're in these attacks, all you got to do is pull it out and use it and smack the devil with it. Smack the devil in the face with Scripture. Use it from your brain. See, Jesus isn't just reading it, he's quoting it. You got to have Scripture in there that you can use to smack the devil. When he comes, when he comes knocking, you smack him in the face with Scripture. But you can't do it if you don't have it memorized. I'm not saying you got to know the whole Bible, but you need to start storing up and memorizing Scripture. Those who don't memorize Scripture play defense and often lose. <laughs> Those who memorize Scripture play offense and often win. It's the reality of it. So who will you memorize with this week? Who in your life will you memorize? And then see, my very last thing I get is speak Scripture in prayer. Three ways to get an easy refund straight from the Lord. Speak Scripture in prayer. The best way to be restored from a lie is to pray the truth back to God. I'll give you an example. Here, I think this will be on the screen. Here's an example prayer that I've prayed many times. God, I have believed for a while that my identity is in people's opinions. But you tell me, here's scripture. I, it says you, I change it to I in my prayer. I have been filled by Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. End of scripture. Here's the rest of my prayer. Who shall I fear other than him? I mix scripture into my prayers. That's a Colossians 2.9 prayer. When you pray scripture like this, your soul is restored. Would you do these three things this week? Or do you want to keep getting beat up from the devil? You don't have to live that way. Man, there's many people out there who, to be honest with you, don't have Jesus Christ. And you're getting beat up far worse because you don't have that hope that we all have. You don't have that hope that you can have. That hope that comes from Jesus Christ. Because man has sinned. That's the reality of it. Listen, you look at this passage. Jesus said no to temptation, but man did not. Man said yes. You and I say yes to sin every day. But Jesus was sinless. He was holy. He was perfect. Look at me. Jesus lived the life you could not live. He walked this earth. He healed people. He can heal you. What are you going through you need healing from? He can heal you. He is glorious. And while he was on this earth, they beat him. When's the last time the gospel, for Christians, when's the last time the gospel hit your heart? They beat Jesus. They tortured him. They they nailed him to a cross. They put out his hands. They put the nails in his hands. Put the nails in his feet. And they nailed him to that cross. And as he was on the cross, he was thinking about you. Me? In all my sin. I've thought about this before. If I came face to face with Jesus, I will one day. If I saw him face to face in person on this earth and I looked at him, I would just ask him the question, you know me? I've wondered that before. What would I ask him? I would really ask him, you know me. In the sense that Jesus, you know all of my darkness, you know all of my pain, you know all of my burdens, and yet you still choose to love me? You know me? And you died for me? Christians, when's the last time you asked that? 
For those of you who aren't a Christian, have you ever thought about that? That your sin, Jesus died on the cross for it, and three days later resurrected, defeating death, defeating the devil once and for all. You can get saved tonight. Will you stop running? I ran for 21 years. Will you stop running tonight? Where are you? Who am I talking to? It's just you and me. The way I would talk to you is how I would want someone to talk to me when I was your age, five years ago. When will you stop running from Jesus? Tonight's the night. He's calling you to stop running. He's calling you to repent. He's calling you to find that hope, that faith, that courage that you can have so desperately in your life. Stop running. I don't know if you're alone. I don't know where you are in this world right now. Stop running from Jesus Christ. Repent. Give God your sin. Turn from it. And then believe in your heart. God raised from the dead. God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, the supreme ruler over everything. And you will be saved. If you want to get saved, pray something like this. And if you mean it in your heart, you will be saved. For all the Christians, please pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that your son died for me. Thank you that I can have hope. God, I am a sinner. I have sinned. And I need forgiveness. I repent of my sins. And I give my life to you. I'm tired of running. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus rose from the grave. I believe it's real. And I confess he is Lord. God, save me now. If you're a Christian, I want to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, there's Christians all over the world right now who are watching this and being challenged. Challenged in an uncomfortable way to think differently than they've ever thought before. Challenged to be who you have created them to be. God, I pray for all of our students that they would share Jesus this week. That they would be evangelistic in the midst of a quarantine. That they wouldn't go this week without sharing the gospel. Father, I pray that they would win over temptation through your spirit this week. God, allow them to find victory over their sin and allow them to stop being victims to their sin, God, please. Father, we love you, and we thank you for all that you are doing in this city. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.